<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show. No matter what anyone says to the contrary, we're living in the American age of outrage. Our young children are under assault by teachers who insist on talking sex and gender in what were once our best-in-the-world public schools. Our workers and their families are at the mercy now of left-wing globalist employers who insist on globalist elite Marxist doctrine training in their woke workplaces as does our federal government, including the military. And our colleges and universities, our law schools, business schools, and now many of our medical schools as well. The outrages against our citizens, our families, our faith, and daily relentless and destructive attacks against our American way of life and America itself have become of late a way of life. And there should be no doubt, no mistake, the Marxist Dems are now in control of the Democrat Party and this puppet president, and they have plenty of help from the rhino liberals of the Republican Party. Former Attorney General Bill Barr is a case in point. He only added his voice to the outrageous abuse of power by the Biden regime's outrageous assault on President Trump's home at Mar-a-Lago. Barr, on the Barry Weiss Honestly podcast, declared He's tired of those on the right who, quote, pander to outrage and frustrations, end quote. Barr made that ludicrous statement despite the FBI storming Mar-a-Lago, the illegal seizure of President Trump's lawfully held documents, Barr obviously siding with the politically corrupt FBI and DOJ. How could he do that? What is wrong with Bill Barr? Is he under some threat? And just who is Bill Barr? Does he forget that as Attorney General, he refused to warn the American people and voters that the former Vice President Joe Biden lied in the second and final presidential debate, lied about his son Hunter's laptop and its incriminating contents, and lied about it being Russian disinformation? He didn't warn America, he said because he didn't want to intervene in the election. If he didn't want to intervene then, why did his FBI rush to intervene with only days till the election to tell big tech, big media, social media, including Facebook, that it was all Russian disinformation? And his FBI, according to whistleblowers, also telling FBI agents not to investigate the laptop from hell until after the presidential election, which still doesn't explain why the FBI sat on that laptop and the investigation it should have triggered for the better part of a year. And so it goes in the American era of outrage, when the outrageous defend the deep state and its constant outrages against the American people and our Constitution. Thanks to the lawsuit by the watchdog group, the Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, a federal appellate court 
ordered the Department of Justice to release the unredacted DOJ memo to William Barr when he was Attorney General, recommending no prosecution of President Trump in 2019. No obstruction of justice prosecution because there was no underlying crime. Three years and court battles to honor the American public's right to know and for our Justice Department to be transparent. Three long years. Yes, this too is an outrage, Mr. Barr. And so it goes with what seems to me to be an unredeemably corrupt Biden regime, Department of Justice, and FBI. The number of whistleblowers who are now speaking out gives all of us, though, hope that there may be many more like them in the FBI and DOJ and who still believe in right and wrong, truth, justice, and the American way, and will stand up for good against evil. What are the thoughts of those in the FBI and the DOJ as they witness these corrupt acts, these outrages? What are the thoughts of those who've served the nation in the FBI and DOJ as we witness one outrage after another? I wanted today the perspective of one of those good people, and perhaps as well the assurance that there are many more like him still in the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Our guest today is a 25-year veteran of the FBI, a supervisory special agent, James Galliano. James is a graduate of the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. He served as an infantry officer, served with the 10th Mountain Division, now a CBS News law enforcement analyst. And James, it's great to have you with us here on The Great America Show. Thank you for being with us. Let's begin with the release of that bar memorandum after three long years. Your thoughts. Well, sir, first of all, good to join you, Mr. Dobbs. I'm a big fan. Um, I, I'm looking forward to this. I know you want to do kind of a deep dive into uh, the inside baseball of how these things happen. Look, the FBI is subject to FOIL requests just like any other government agency or municipality or, or local or state. Um, in, in this regards, I do not know why it took so long. I know that there are rules. I serve as a, as a mayor in a small upstate bucolic village in New York, and we're subject to FOIA requests, you know, Freedom of Information Act requests, and we have a particular amount of time to respond to those. And I understand that sometimes when it comes to voluminous documents, it takes time. But I have to agree with you. I was, uh, I was quite surprised at the timing. I want to believe that the people that did the actual work of the, of the essentially triage and the redactions are operating in good faith. But, sir, as you well know, having experience in dealing with government officials, the red tape and sometimes a partisanship, unfortunately, gets in the way. Yeah, I've noticed that more than, <laughs> more than a few times over the course of my career and with uh, greater velocity uh, and frequency uh, uh, nowadays. I, I, and you're exactly right. I, I want to turn to the idea that this memorandum verifies what William Barr said, which was there is no presentation for obstruction of justice. That's what he said in 2019, uh, not long after he had been appointed uh, uh, the Attorney General of the United States. We're, and, and Mueller himself uh, makes it very clear that there was no underlying crime. There was no Russian collusion. Uh, that he could uh, in any way obstruct because there was no underlying predicate for it. Uh, it it's a strange moment uh, in history. And again, we have a, a, a partisan issue that uh, 
Congress, Adam Schiff and his megaphone uh, going after Trump day in and day out, the Marxist Dems. Uh, it, it's it's just uh, it's been an ugly six years in which four directors of the FBI have, uh, with quite clear evidence, lied to the American people and or Congress. It, it's it's a stunning, uh, a stunning six years. And meanwhile, the guy they're persecuting politically, they being the Department of Justice, the FBI, the deep state, uh, have in point of fact been uh, the, the perpetrators of wrongdoing, not their intended victims. Yes, sir. Well, well, you you know, and and I'm sure your your listeners, because I'm 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 guessing they're a pretty educated and erudite crowd, um, know that in the FBI's history, we've been around since 1908. Um, J. Edgar Hoover took over as a 29 year old in 1924, and he helmed it. Gosh, 48 years under eight presidents from Calvin Coolidge all the way to Richard Nixon when he passed away in 1972. Um, I served under four of the eight Senate confirmed FBI directors, and I had my differences with all of them. I knew some of them better than others because I served as uh, on their protection details uh, with the FBI's hostage rescue team. Um, I'm dissatisfied here. Now, having said that, I came into the FBI in early 1991, uh, interestingly enough, during William Barr's first tenure as the attorney right. general under Bush 41. And I always felt like he was a straight shooter, didn't always agree with him, but always felt like he called it straight. You are right in, in how you look at and how you uh, how you frame the six years of the crossfire hurricane uh, Russian collusion um, investigation. I'm supremely disappointed. I think a lot of the agents and the people in the mid-level um, management positions acted in good faith. But, sir, we know their names. The James Comeys, the Andrew McCabe's, the Kevin Kleinsmiths, the Peter Strucks, the Lisa Pages, um, and now the Timothy Tybalt. We know the names of these folks now through whistleblowers and obviously through four, I believe, inspector general reports, and it's damning. It shouldn't indict the entire agency. I believe the entire agency is good, but Lou, I'll leave you with this one and, and close it this way. When I left the FBI in 2016, I believe the American public held the FBI in the 95% favorability realm. Right. Rasmussen reports just last week put out a poll that suggests that 53% of Americans, sir, do not trust the FBI. And that, sir, breaks my heart. Uh, it, it, you know, I think it breaks all our hearts because we looked uh, years ago now at the FBI as, as the, the essential law enforcement agency uh, and also uh, for its uh, national security role. But that has that has been, it seems, long ago, and I don't know whether or not we will ever recover from it, whether the FBI will recover from it. Uh, the raid on Mar-a-Lago, I truly believe, and I said this on this show, I don't believe America will ever quite be the same after the FBI raid on the president's offices in Mar-a-Lago. The FBI, I do not believe, will ever be regarded in the same way, nor the Department of Justice. It was an absolute uh, outrage, and I believe it'll be the defining moment in most people's minds as they walk into those voting booths and vote on November 8th. Your thoughts? 
Sir, you may be right. We, we may just diverge on one piece. Um, I think the American public has a short memory, and I think that agencies that are inherently good but that suffer under poor leadership for a time, i.e. the Federal Bureau of Investigation in this instance, um, I think you can recover from this. You and I are both old enough to remember COINTELPRO and the wiretapping of Martin Luther King and other civil rights leaders, the black bag jobs. Um, J. Edgar Hoover was, a, was, an, was an amazing director and did a, a lot of wonderful things. He was born in 1895. He also did some things that we all look back on and go, yeah, the FBI was wrong for doing that. I'm hoping that this is a period like that and that we will recover. But Mr. Dobbs, I believe it's going to require new leadership. The FBI director is a political appointee, and he he or she gets a 10-year term, which allows them to overlap any presidential administration. But, sir, we need new leadership. We need a cleaning out at the top, and we need changes in the seventh floor at FBI headquarters where promotions are not part of a meritocracy. They're part and parcel of a system that a lot of us retired FBI agents believe is broken. In that regard, and, and I, I make no mistake, I want the FBI to recover from this as quickly as it possibly can, but I don't want it to be an exercise in public relations. I want it to be an organizational, uh, absolute uh, organizational reform uh, that makes it so we will not see a repetition of this uh, ever uh, again. And as you say, I agree with you 100%. It will take a... a significant change of leadership. The, the Governor Whitmer case, for example, has has shown up now uh, with, again, the FBI framing uh, victims uh, rather than, uh, and in point of fact, participating in the plotting of a crime uh, with their informants, uh, with undercover agents. Uh, two, two of the defendants in the case uh, found not guilty largely because of the, the fact that it was entrapment. Uh, two others just recently have been found guilty, but they had different roles. Your thoughts about why uh, the, the field officers, and in fact the head of the Detroit field office, I should say parenthetically, uh, is now the head of the uh, D.C. Uh, field office, which was involved obviously in Mar the raid on the president's home offices uh, at Mar-a-Lago. Your thoughts about how we got to this point where it is so it is just outrageous what the FBI is being found to do. They are being revealed to be greater perpetrators, uh, more numerous uh, and, and frankly, more guilty than those that they have been uh, seeking to prosecute politically. Yeah, so uh, let me unpack that for the listeners. So uh, I served as an FBI undercover agent for about 10 years um, in the drug realm, in the gang realm, in the organized crime realm. Um, let me just give a quick definition to the listeners about what actually what you meant by saying governmental entrapment. So entrapment is when we, meaning the government and those acting on behalf of the government, um, lure somebody, an individual, into committing a crime that they might not have been originally predisposed to commit. So we can't go up to an innocent citizen and say, hey, I want you to rob a bank. I'm going to give you a bunch of money to do it. And then they do it. If we're acting in the capacity of a government agent, we've now put that into an otherwise unassuming innocent person's mind. And the law specifically states we're not allowed to do that. 
the mission case that you refer to was fraught with problems and i don't know the individuals personally i know them by name but i did not serve personally with them i know that there was an undercover agent that had a number of issues in his personal life i know that some of the supervision of the case has been subjected to some scrutiny in regards to what was allowed to happen and lou i'll say this and and let me preface it by saying this is jimmy galliano private citizen supposition but someone who knows the fbi inside and out spent fully one half of my life in the fbi retired at age 50 i spent 25 years in the bureau I think right now there is such an emphasis on trying to prove that domestic terrorists and white supremacists hide behind every rock and every tree that the Bureau is going out of their way to kind of, I think the term is confirmation bias, prove what the Attorney General and prove what this president and the political party that's in power right now is insisting. Look, Lou. I can't stand white supremacists. I think if you're a bigot and a racist, I don't care if you're on the far left extreme or the far right extreme. If you do anything in furtherance of that, you should face justice. But I think we live in a period of time now where the government in power is so bent on proving that far right extremism is just as much of a threat as far left extremism, that they're going to do anything to make that case. And Lou, I think the Michigan case is a perfect example of that. Uh, and I think that your your analysis is exactly correct. It comports to, you know, the information that that we are getting, uh, in uh, secondhand. I will put it that way from uh, the whistleblowers. And I must say about whistleblowers, James, uh, the whistleblowers that have stepped forward, at least fourteen of them, with uh, with Congressman Jim Jordan. Uh, with uh, Senator Chuck Grassley and Senator Ron Johnson. We don't know how many more, but a substantial number. For the first time, I am hopeful that that reform we were talking about of the FBI is possible because I've had to say at various points over the course of the past several years, there was a time where I would say, but there are good people in the rank and file. But the silence has been deafening uh, and their, uh, their willingness to go along makes me wonder about how strong how strong the will is uh, to to protect law and order in this nation on the part of the FBI. It took six years, but I have to tell you, thank God they are finally stepping forward. Your thoughts about those whistleblowers and how important they are? Look, I mean, there are whistleblower protections in place for a reason. and 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 whatever the wrongdoing is, those folks need to be, protected. They have a right to come forward. It's happened going back, I mean, almost, you know, in perpetuity, but in my recollection, back to 9-11, when there were some FBI agents that blew the whistle that the Bureau didn't take seriously the fact that there were some Middle Eastern students in the United States who were taking flying lessons with no interest in taking off or landing, just in keeping the plane upright in the air. And apparently it was ignored. And so they came out, they were protected. In this instance, you're referring to folks that are pushing back right now. And, and it's interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the case of uh, William Jefferson, who was a, a congressman in Louisiana that a number of years ago was arrested right. by the FBI for corruption. And I believe we found like $90,000 in quote unquote cold cash inside his freezer at his home. The case agent, Lou, on that case was Timothy Tybalt. 
He's the same case agent um, who then moved on up the ranks and is the one that two weeks ago, while he was in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Director Christopher Wray, FBI Director Wray, stated he was deeply troubled by the allegations that suggested that Mr. Tibble, prior to the 2020 election, had, quote unquote, slow walked the Hunter Biden laptop. So these are the kind of things that I appreciate now. I understand that uh, Senator Grassley and uh, and Congressman Jordan and a, a number of whistleblowers have come to them and they are obviously um, getting that information from them um, to determine whether or not was the FBI overreacting to 2016 and James Comey stepping in front of the uh, microphones and what some people have accused him of altering the election, putting his finger on the scale because he was talking about a case that was not adjudicated, but it might have influenced the election. Was this an overreaction in the other direction, sir? Quite possibly. But the fact that big tech tried to submarine this, the fact that the New York Post was muted on Twitter when they tried to first report this. And now we learn that the FBI um, mid-level and senior level bosses stood this down prior to the 2020 election. Lou, it's beyond troubling. Yeah, and it is beyond troubling. And William, and to go back to William Barr, William Barr, it turns out uh, on his book tour and his book, uh, acknowledges that he knew that the former vice president, Joe Biden, in the second debate in 2020, presidential debate, knew he was lying about the laptop, knew he was lying about Russian disinformation, and William Barr chose because he said he did not want to intervene in an election, did not want to intervene in an election with just weeks to two weeks to go to that election, uh, even though he knew that the, they were all lies. He knew that the intelligence agencies were lying. The former heads of those agencies, five of them were lying. And he knew that the FBI was in possession of the evidence. It is, as you said, I like the expression, it is beyond troubling. It is gut-wrenching to think what has happened to this country because in, that, in those decisions, we changed American history. Yes, sir. And, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm not going to go ahead and assume that you share my affinity for, um, for Attorney General Barr. I was a huge fan of his the first time around in the early 90s when I was a young brick agent. And I was a big fan of how he pushed back um, and came back to government service to serve under the 45th president. Mm -hmm. I will say this, sir, because everything is a, are, are shades of gray. And I'm a West Point graduate, and I understand a lot of things are black and white, but there are things that are shades of gray. And what frustrates me, even being a fan of the, the former attorney general, is why were none of the criminal referrals from the inspector general reports Michael Horowitz, who was, a po who was appointed by uh, President Obama, and again, a position that's apolitical and nonpartisan, why when people like James Comey were referred to the Attorney General, and Andy McCabe, a, a, a kid, and I'll say that because he was a kid when he served under me in the New York office as a member of the New York SWAT team for the FBI that I ran, I've known Andy a long time, why were they given what much of America looks like as disparate treatment where if anybody else, not during that whole confluence of events, anybody else had lied to the inspector general's um, 
investigators four times, three times under oath, as Andy McCabe did, they would have been fired and criminally referred and charged. And regarding Mr. Comey, here's a man who's six foot eight, who meets with the president, meaning President Trump, a number of occasions, is so unsettled and discomforted that he felt the need to write you know, contemporaneous memos, and then some of them, including potentially secret or top secret information, then doesn't even have the courage to leak it to the New York Times himself. He leaks it through a surrogate, his attorney, to give to the New York Times because he's afraid to stand up to the president, and he gets away with that. And yet we raided former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago properties for quote-unquote classified information and documents. Lou, it's beguiling it's mind boggling and what frustrates me. And again, I'm not a sycophant or a shill for the former president, but what frustrates me is I see this as disparate treatment and misapplication of the law. Some people get away with things, other people do not. I concur. And it, it, and unfortunately, I believe it rises well above that. I believe that there are a group, a cabal of Marxist Dems and I am using the words advisedly, I mean Marxist. Uh, they are in the Democratic Party. They are leading the Democratic Party. Uh, and they are the masters of this puppet president who sits in the Oval, well, he doesn't sit often in the Oval Office, but should be in the Oval Office. Uh, it, it is, it is, it is uh, beyond frustrating to think of what we have witnessed in bright daylight right before our very eyes, that is corrupt, uh, that is, as you say, disparate treatment. Uh, a, the son of a, of a sitting president now, who is clearly, uh, has been connected to illegal drugs, uh, weapons. Uh, he has been connected to the intelligence agencies of the uh, CCP uh, of China. Uh, he has been involved in the corruption of Ukraine, Russia, China, and the list goes on, and there has been no consequence, and a four-year investigation is underway in, in the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware that shows no signs of emerging before the election, the midterm elections of 2022. Disparate treatment? Absolutely. Your thoughts about how it is that there is no response from the Republican Party, from the American people, no outrage that will in any way seemingly shame uh, this this deep state and these radical Marxist dims? Well, I think part of it is, and again, I, I agree uh, with the Department of Justice's policy, at least their long-held policy, that um, attorney generals and obviously people that speak on the attorney general's behalf, whether it's, uh, you know, their deputies or assistant United States attorneys or uh, politically appointed U.S. attorneys across the country, um, they're not supposed to speak to ongoing, unadjudicated criminal investigations. I, I get that. And in 2016, James Comey essentially broke that mold, separated himself, got in front of the cameras and, and microphones, and basically spoke to the Hillary Clinton email investigation um, where there were top secret emails, I believe there were eight of them, a number of secret emails, I don't know the number of those, and some 33,000 that were bleach bitted while they were under subpoena. And Lou, I understand they were about yoga pants 
and about what the bridesmaids' dresses for her daughter's upcoming wedding were going to be. And the grandchildren. Uh, Yes. And I believe in that instance, you know, people started to say there is unequal dispensing of justice here. There's disparate treatment. So why didn't the FBI kick in the doors in Chappaqua, New York, and, you know, take possession of the the, the private server that the former Secretary of State was using so that she would not have to turn over her emails? Look, I'm a mayor. I understand that anything I write on one of our municipal um computers is subject to FOIA. It's subject to review. It's subject to scrutiny. Those are the rules. So when you try to circumvent them and then we turn a blind eye and say, as James Comey famously did, no reasonable prosecutor would. Well, then why didn't that apply in Mar-a-Lago? And Lou, here's why. We know that the National Archives and Records uh, Administration was having communications with the former president and his legal advisors back and forth since about January or February of this year. We know that the NARA had advised that some of the boxes that had been packed and that were at Mar-a-Lago be, um, you know, better, uh, better secured. We know that. Okay. People say, well, why did Trump take those things? If you think that a president of the United States on his way out of the White House packs anything, you're mistaken. It's done by the Government Services Administration. It's done by other people. Now, regardless of who made that decision that those documents would go to Mar-a-Lago, why then did we need to go this route? And I'll say this, my last thing, Lou. So we know that the judge in Florida signed the search warrant at 12, 12 p.m. on a Friday. The FBI executed it on Monday morning. So if the argument is, well, Jimmy, exigent circumstances, there were dangerous nuclear secrets there. There were dangerous Department of Defense uh, information there. There were classified documents, TS slash SCI documents. Well, then, Lou, if it was so exigent, why didn't they immediately execute the search warrant? That right there says to me, a guy that can read the investigative tea leaves and say, hmm, Something doesn't smell right. Yeah. Yeah. As, and we have seen it not smell right for six years, haven't we, James? There is no question about the integrity of the FBI. It has none. There is no question about the political corruption of the Department of Justice. It is rampant and pervasive in the Department of Justice. We do know that they have lied, tried to frame and overthrow a president from the uh, latter half of 2016, while President Trump was then a candidate, right through to the current, to this present day. And it makes no sense to anyone what is happening here until you think about who is the outsider and who was opposed to everything in the establishment of both political parties. Uh, it is it is an outrage against decency as well as law and this constitution. And this administration has demonstrated it has no regard for either. I I just can't even imagine why Uh, there has been no accountability for a single individual over the course of the the Russia hoax, Russian collusion, uh, all of it, six years of it, which has been one attacked Uh, uh, after another, relentless, over six years. How is it that that could happen? Your best guess. 
Well, I, I think a part of it, and, 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 the, and the only thing, and I, and I know you were speaking in the macro sense and not the micro, but the only thing I'll push back on, Lou, sure. is I, I do not believe, when we say the FBI is corrupt, people think that the good men and women who swear an oath to uphold and, and defend and protect the Constitution and are out there doing the hard work every single day, putting themselves in harm's way, and many of them become martyred because they get killed while they're performing their duties on behalf of all of us. Many people think that if we say that or suggest that, as you did, that we are smearing them. And I don't think that's your intent. I believe that you sense that the vast majority, there are 36,000 FBI employees, 12,000 sworn FBI agents. Now, to put that into, into context, the NYPD, the New York City Police Department in, in New York City, has 36,000 police officers. The FBI only has 12,000, so one in three, and they're scattered across the globe and obviously across the 50 states in the, in the United States. So I don't believe that's the problem. What I believe the problem is, is I mentioned it at the top, the confirmation bias that goes on where you have young, hollow, uh, sycophants that are promoted that shouldn't be, that go to headquarters, and then they surround the king, the emperor, um, and they basically agree with whatever he or she says. And a lot of these cases, and, and mid-year exam, which was the Hillary Clinton email case, um, crossfire hurricane, which you referenced, which was the case into quote-unquote Russian collusion, um, and the, uh, I, I'm pretty confident that the Hunter Biden laptop case, they're worked out of the FBI headquarters seventh floor where the bosses are. Those cases sure. need to be in the field. And that's the problem. They're being, we're running this from a centralized command instead of having the experienced folks do it in the field, Lou. That's something that has to change. It, it has to change. And by the way, it, it, it's also an affront to the American people in so many ways. Not only there, the, the loss of integrity and respect, uh, the loss of integrity that results from the FBI's, uh, those in the FBI uh, who violate the law and the rights of citizens uh, they are supposed to serve. But it is also a, a loss of respect for them on the part of the American people. And, you, and as you said, uh, we're more than half of the American people uh, do not respect, and that's putting it kindly, the FBI, there is a huge problem. But they are ignoring, the leaders of the FBI are ignoring the oversight, absolutely uh, laughing in the faces of the congressmen and senators who are to provide oversight for the American people. They've become so powerful, they can thumb their nose at anyone in the government who wants to question anything they do. And by the way, I've been under surveillance uh, by uh, federal agents, and I can't speak specifically whether it was uh, the FBI, but I know that they were federal agents, uh, surveilling me, wiretapping my home. Uh, there's no question about it. And, and I, I have no animus. I, I, you know, it's just the way it is. But to think that this is going on, I, I, I have to, I have to get to the, to a point here where I, I want to take up the issue of the Patriot Act uh, after September 11th uh, and what it has wrought and whether or not, in your judgment, the National Security uh, Division of the Department of Justice and and the FBI need to be just broken away from the FBI and DOJ. 
Wow. All right. So you're, uh, I hope we have a little bit of time for this. Surely. So your, your question here is a, it, it's a great one. Um, and, and I think my career kind of bookended what you're talking about because 9-11 was a seminal moment for the FBI and obviously for America. I mean, that sounds like a, a stupid statement. Of course, it was a seminal moment. But for the FBI, there were some discussions amongst uh, you know, uh, on Capitol Hill, whether or not the FBI should be broken up into uh, essentially what the, the Brits have with an MI5 and an MI6 handling domestic intelligence and international intelligence, and whether or not the old school G-man, the, the, the FBI that I joined, where I cut my teeth under Hoover era agents, he was long gone, but I cut my teeth under guys who were Hoover era agents, where we went after public corruption, we went after gangbangers, we went after drug dealers, we went after bank robbers, we went after pedophiles. Well, the Bureau was essentially reshaped under Robert Mueller. He came in, I think he was appointed FBI director. Lou, I think it was seven or eight days before 9-11, so he kind of had to yep. hit the ground running. And he made some decisions in real time, and I can't fault him for that. It's easy in hindsight to look back and say, should have done this or should have done that. But to your sure. point, if your question is, Jimmy, should the agency be broken apart? Yes, I, I tend to think that the old school uh, working, you know, criminal violations, that FBI is a different FBI from the one that is completely intelligence driven, part of the intelligence community and has to look beyond the shores of, of America and, and has to kind of be part of that community that includes the Central Intelligence Agency and the Defense and DIA and, 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 and NSC and all those uh, on all those acronyms. Yes, I think that that would help because I think that the agency is at war with itself. It is there are internecine battles going on every day between the people that still want to go out find the crime, fix the crime, prove the crime and send those people to jail and people that are in the more esoteric, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of uh, counterintelligence realm, the counterterrorism realm where cases don't last a year or two, they can last 10 years, they can last a decade or more. So to your point, to sum it up, yeah, Lou, I think that makes sense. Do I think defunding the FBI, which Marjorie Taylor Greene said, two days ago makes sense. No, that's silly and unserious. Do I think that the FBI could be reformatted, broken up? Yeah, probably should have happened after 9-11, but I think it was a different time and I'm not gonna blame those folks then, but yes, I think a reshaping and a reformatting should occur. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And and I agree with you. Uh, and, and certainly I wouldn't judge what was done in the uh, days, weeks and uh, months after September 11th because like most Americans, I was filled with outrage uh, and anger and, and uh, yes, I'll say it, bloodlust for any who were responsible for taking the lives of those 3,000 people at the World Trade Center, uh, at the Pentagon, uh, and in the, the field in Pennsylvania. I, I, but since then, we have, we have learned much and we should be applying it. It's a reason, by the way, James, I have said, uh, I've called for the removal of the National Security Division from the FBI and to have those people uh, re reassigned uh, if they have been have acted with absolute integrity and if not to, to be absolutely uh, removed from the federal service. 
So I'm, I'm glad we agree on that. And uh, and I, I have to say, I agree with you on just, you know, I, I will say nearly everything. Uh, I agree with you on everything that you've said, except those things in which, of course, you argued with me. <laughs> That's fair. You did it civilly, sir. No complaints. Uh, well, same back at you. James, we always give our guests the, the last word here. Uh, and please, your your concluding thoughts. Lou, first of all, I appreciate what you're doing. I think that's what makes this country great is the fact that, uh, you know, we're moving into an era where people don't just listen in, you know, to music in their cars while they're on their commutes. They try to listen to become informed, whether they agree with the host or they disagree or they agree with the guest or disagree. I think platforms like this. Look, I worked at CNN for four years. Um, I work for CBS now. I do some spots for Fox now. Everything is a soundbite, and you have 20 seconds to hit it or quit it and make your point. Um, I appreciate mediums like this where people like you that have the platform allow folks like me a chance to flesh things out that are that are more nuanced than a soundbite. So thank you, sir, for what you're doing. Keep doing it, and and, and, and I appreciate you for what you do. James, thank you very much for those kind words, and uh, I have enjoyed our conversation immensely. I hope you'll come back soon, and we can continue our, our, our discussion, our conversation about what is of immense importance to this, this great country of ours. James Galliano, thanks so much. Thank you for all of your service to this country, and God bless you. Thank you, sir. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. It's looking like another busy week in Biden's America. I want to thank again President Trump for being our guest here on The Great America Show. Check out his episode. You'll enjoy it. And just knowing the president will be fighting for America is good for our soul. I promise. Tomorrow, our guest will be a great American, James Comer, serving the nation in Congress, the ranking Republican on the powerful Oversight Committee, who is a Republican leader in the fight against corruption in our federal government. Please join us here tomorrow. Till then, God bless you, and God bless America.